It's called Big Willy Style. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Boys! Boys! Rude! Uh... Welcome to the Well Played DLC Podcast, Australia's juiciest gaming podcast powered by SteelSeries, but more on that later. I am Zach Jackson. Joining me on this three-piece feed is James Wood. Howdy, gamers. And Nathan Hennessy. Oh, hello. As Will Smith once said, just the three of us tonight. That's a reference to his song, Just the Two of Us, but it didn't really work, so... I apologize. I figured. And I wondered if I was... you were making like a meta joke about their open marriage. And I was like, that's very oh, smart of you, Zach. Yeah. See, that's where I was like, hmm, am, am I doing that? Yeah. No, I'm not. Hmm. Mm. Mm. I Video always games, forget that he, that he ever did music. There you go. Mate, his first album, yeah. 2000 and something, it's called Big Willy Style. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Boys. Boys. Rude. Uh, God. Oh, sorry. Fuck. I think I think, think Jaden uh, was in that song as a child. Oh yeah. Or maybe no. I think it's actually about Jaden. Anyway, we we move on. Uh, how are we all? Yeah, great. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I got a lot to think about now. Big Willie stuff. So. Mate, his second album, Willennium. <laughs> God damn Will Smith Fucking hitting out of the park 20 years I think, later I think Millennium was Wild Wild West album Or was that Anyway Anyway Oh Yeah I think The things and that Will take 2K? like Of all the things your memory could store Damn I told you Remember how I told you All my CDs I can remember like all the tracks This is this is where I'm at. I used he to have does. He, he can quote the track list. Yeah. It's, I think it's I um actually here's a little here's um some meta for for you, Nathan. You remember Cunningham's? Yeah, in, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's who I gave my Will, my Will Smith CD collection to. Just to line the walls. That's it. What that's a beautiful it. place. Well, it's been a hot day for us, Nathan. How's the heat over in Adelaide? Spicy. Yeah, it started fine. Then it went muggy, and now it's just raw heat. So yeah, it's, uh, I think it's tomorrow, not been a pleasant lineup. The next couple of days are going to be pretty rough, I think, for us. Yeah. Yep. No one uh, went to Swifty on the weekend. No. Quite no. the phenomenon. I thought you might have James. Well, oh, look, I maybe I'm a fan it. of the music, but it's uh, about it. All right. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate from a, a nice arms distance. It's also because it's like you know, I'm 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 a man in my 30s. I don't need to be hanging out at a Taylor Swift concert necessarily. No offense to the men in their thirties who do. More yes. power to everyone involved. I was about to say, I think that's still a sizable demographic. Oh no, it absolutely is. But I just think about like I don't want to take a ticket away from some young impressionable white girl. You know, she can go and have the time of her life. Moral mm. king, love it. I know. Yeah, I'm really quite selfless. Yeah, they, on the same night in Melbourne. Oh, sorry, on the same night being the Friday night, the first night. Uh, good old my mates, the Goo Goo Dolls and Matchbox Twenty were playing. Oh really? There you go. Yeah, I really wanted to go just 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 mainly see the the Goo Goo Dolls, but uh, two hundred something bucks I think for tickets. So I 
Yeah. 180-ish, it might have been, sorry. Um, but I did not buy them, obviously, because I didn't go. Used to enjoy a lot of Matchbox 20. No way I could listen to it now. But um, That first album is still a good album. The rest yeah. of it kind of, yeah, just, yeah. Mm. Yep, mm. that's how it feels. Mm. From Taylor Swift to Dad Rock, hey? Shout outs. We cover it all here at Well Played. We do, we do. Speaking of covering it all, let's talk about some video games. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I have been pledging away at Deathloop still. That's pretty much been my oh. week. Hey, fine. Uh, I do really like it. Like, I do like those kind of, you know, that dishonesty type of game. That mm. um, I just wish I had a good chunk of time just to commit to it. Uh, I'm trying to do that now while well, I kind of got nothing on my plate. But uh, we'll see. I don't know how many loops. I mean, I don't know if it tells you how many loops you've done right. But I'm now, like, I think I'm start, I'm getting close. I, maybe I'm halfway-ish or just over halfway, perhaps. Because I'm starting to find out a lot about the people and, and like, where they'll be and where the best place to maybe take them out is. So, yeah, I found that once it starts picking up momentum, things start moving really, really fast. You, you may even be further yeah. through than you realize. Yeah, well, I can't really remember how much I've played before. So um, maybe like 8 to 10 to 12 hours in total. Maybe 10. It's only about a 12-hour game. Zach yeah, hours, no, all right? Yeah. Uh, speaking of Zach hours and that game so i got a code for the inquisitor or i the inquisitor i'm actually not sure what it's actually called i think it's just called the inquisitor now uh on ps5 mm. that game has piranha bites and elix written all over it uh, if you know what i'm saying uh i not to, certainly do look it's it looks like a PS3 game, I feel like it's being mean, but it looks like a like a late gen PS3 game, right? Like the Last of Us on PS3, I think looks better than this game. Maybe an early PS4 game, right. if 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 we're being you know generous. Uh, but this thing runs like dog ass, mate. Like this this is unplayable. Like on PS5, it is it is unplayable. The screen screen tearing is insane. It does this thing where it like flashes like very very microly um, with like colors and then like static like like white noise um oh so it's like proper busted yeah it's like i i, yeah. I can so when like you're running my eyes go kind of a bit funny because all the screen tearing and stuff i'm like no mm-hmm. i can't like i can play through some pretty tough euro jank but i can't play that mm-hmm. uh so That's i only played maybe 15 minutes and <laughs> i was like no i can't i just can't i gotta wait for like a patch so I might not ever get to re- review that because, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be fixed in time. Uh, and the quality seems interesting. The first, the opening, mm. one of the opening conversations for the, so coming from something like like a Banishes, uh, where the voice acting and the writing is just phenomenal, to the Inquisitor, obviously very very different budget types of games, um, but that level, the, that quality is just dropped right off. Um, <laughs> So there you go, the Inquisitor. Uh, I'm still, I'm still vaguely interested in 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 the game, but uh, yeah, it does not run very well at all. Mm. And that's pretty much been my week for gaming. So, James, mm. how about you? 
I have started Final Fantasy X, uh, which I am very much enjoying so far. Still, like, opening hours of the experience, um, but very melancholic, uh, very bright at the same time as well. Kind of Star Wars prequels by way of Japanese fantasy. Um, very, very happy with it aesthetically. Tonally very cool. Combat is turn-based still, obviously, but very fast-paced and very just... A lot of dynamic camera angles and very, like, flashy animations, which makes it feel less turn basey and like I, I don't mind turn base really but it's also not my preferred combat style so um having a bit of style to kind of like jazz it up is quite nice um so been enjoying that i played arc survival of old for the first time and i thought it was fine um <laughs> have either of you played it yeah i look i've dipped my toes into survival evolved uh mm. it obviously presents a pretty gigantic barrier of entry Yes. Uh, yes, it does. Throws a lot at you at the start, and it's yeah, it's brutal at the start. So I've never really dug like I've never really managed to get to a point where I could like tame anything interesting or build right, anything okay. worthwhile. Yeah, just kind enough. of explore, and it, it you know it was it mm-hmm. looked so interesting. Yeah, at, at the time. it does look interesting. Uh, I. I, I think it's fine. It's just like me and the lads were looking for like our next co-op survival experience. And this has kind of been the thing that popped up. It was cheap. It was relatively easy to get going. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're all just waiting for Sea of Thieves to drop on um, PlayStation. So hopefully that announcement's coming at <laughs> some point soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's about second, oh, yeah. The second arc's not out yet, is it? It's still like... No. no. What they released doing... Arc Ascension, which is like a remake, right, of the first one? Survival really? Survival Ascended, uh, Unreal 5 <laughs> Engine remake yeah. of, which yeah. ironically is kind of landed with all the same issues that Arc Survival Evolved had when that launched as one of the early Unreal Engine 4 games. So, you know, it's all mm. just kind of repeating. Um, it's got like an eighty dollar price tag on it or something though, which is wild. Yeah, that's why we went with the old one. We were like, we don't one. We don't <laughs> want to sign up to be like effectively beta testers for a full price product here, which, with what yeah. Ascension has kind of become. And just yeah, it's just it was a bit much for a bit of silly sort of weekend fun. So um, yeah, I also watched a mate play through uh, Deracine, the FromSoft mm. um, VR, VR game. Yeah. Really, really cool, weird little experience. Uh, I, I do, I still want to play it myself, but I'm not going to, I just know I'm never going to get a PSVR. It's just not going to happen for me in this lifetime. Um, but yeah, seems cool. It seems like they kind of made an orphanage and filled it with a bunch of like Dark Souls NPCs as children, um, which is a really great premise. Everyone's kind of weirdly disaffected and British. Um, so, you know, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I'm glad From Software made something that wasn't, just continue franchise stuff. You know, I, I'd mm. like to see them get back to a bit of their original kind of vaguely spooky roots. So, yeah. How how does watching like on YouTube like a playthrough? How does that work? Does it look like uh, does it look like a normal game? Or does yeah, it look so a bit on, funky on the, because the share play was like a kind of like a fish lens almost, um, but it, it took up most of the screen, so it wasn't particularly disorientating. The the movement took a little bit to get used to watching someone else kind of look around and stuff, but for the most part, it's fine. Very nice. Yeah. Nathan, what do you mean uh, getting stuck into? I'm deep in those trenches. I've, I don't think I've played mm. anything for, yeah, for no. personal pleasure. Oh, just, just a bit of Baldur's Gate 3 with April. I think I think we're inching towards that finish line. That's just been about it. That's one of those cool. games where we'll pop maybe two hours in every couple, of, like two, two nights a week. Solid. 
Good stuff. All right, before we get stuck into our review discussion, I'll just give a quick shout-out to... Uh, sorry, not two, but I'll give, give some quick review shout-outs. So we've got three reviews that are up on the website at the moment you can go and read. Josephina, she uh, put up... She published her review for Diets and Deities, the New Zealand... Uh, not New Zealand, sorry. The Northern Territory or the Darwin-made game uh, by Larrikin Interactive. And she says... Set against beautiful landscapes populated by a cast of wickedly cool deities, Diets and Deities is a short multicultural rhythm game which seeks to make your body move, your taste buds dance, and your heart engage with its casual gameplay experience, uh, combining deep story themes, exploring cultural preservation and consumption. Gave it a 6.5. Uh, I think, yeah, so from reading her review, it's essentially the game is neat, but it's only about 90 minutes long, so it kind of feels like nothing has time to gel together or you don't get the full experience because it's all because it's over kind of before you started uh big old marky mark has done a review for hell divers 2 maybe you've heard of it uh and he <laughs> says crafted with intelligence and brimming with chaotic good vibes hell divers 2 sets the kind of tone many others in the action space should take notice of overcoming some early tech issues by being a sheer delight to play he gives that a nine out of ten very, very nice. And uh, Charlie Braithwaite, who is a new addition to our team, uh, he has reviewed Oblivion Overdrive, uh, sorry, Override, which came out December. I actually should know that, shouldn't I? I did look at the date, but I've already forgotten. We'll get, we'll get a fact check there from James. But he, but Charlie writes, uh, Oblivion Override is a tight roguelike with Metroidvania elements and an awesome range of weapons to choose from. It has plenty on offer to delight fans of the genre, all wrapped up in a pretty robot killing package. Gives that an 8 out of 10. And James says the game mm. comes out on? Uh, PC release was the 14th of June last year, so I'm guessing we're talking about a console drop here, which I haven't seen yet. But the game does look really cool. So. I think it's out of early access, maybe. Anyway. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. Anyway, the game is out now. That, that's all you need to know. And the review is up there for you to go and read it. Uh, once again, we did put out our talk through with Solium Infernum developers, League of Geeks. You can go check that out on the website. Uh, sorry, on YouTube. Please give it a watch. It is a good time with Adam, Nathan, and the team there at League of Geeks. Uh, got some exciting things in the works for talk through. So hopefully, if you are liked and subscribed to our channel, you can uh, you'll see those come up in the near future. Oh, but all, but. Something that James has been itching to chat about, the scallywag. He is, he is keen on talking about Skull and Bones. Uh, he has reviewed it for Press Start. Nathan is doing the review for Well Played. You boys have, well, James, you've got your review up. Nathan, you've effectively finished yours. Let's uh, let's talk about Skull and Bones. Nathan, I want to hear from you because James and I, you've, we've already spoken about it. But uh, Nathan, how did you find the long-awaited Skull and Bones experience? Sound like James and Zach here. I've not had any prior hands-on experience with Skull and Bones. In fact, I've not really seen much of this outside some of the early marketing and obvious advertising that has led up to this game. Have you and... been to Singapore though? Sorry? But 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 have you been to Singapore? 
Only via the airport, mate. I've not stepped out. Did you get food poisoning for Ubisoft <laughs> Skull and Bones? <laughs> oh, that's 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 hardcore dedication, man. Uh, absolutely not. And yeah, that's not something that I'd take lightly. You poor no. soul. Wow. Mm. But look, uh, so this is this is the Ubisoft live service patented formula applied to what is pretty much the the naval combat, naval exploration of Black Flag and some of the latter Assassin's Creed's just sort of isolated into its own thing. And you'll be playing and seeing up to about 18, I think, people, different people as you're going about this world. That's uh, I think it's set in, what, the 18th century or 17th? Uh, late 17th. Late 17th, yeah. yep, around the, uh, the West Indies, Indian Ocean. And mm. uh, look, at first glance, things are pretty. There's a lot, bit, lot of ocean here, and you open up your map, there's a lot of icons, and it kind of just all hits you at once. You come across your first hub area, things look interesting. Uh, very much immediately, when you're, when you're on your feet, moving around these areas, just like you blokes said in the preview, there's not a whole heap going on. You're just kind of going up, like just kind of awkwardly tumbling up to an NPC because for some reason, movement doesn't quite feel right but but that you'll ignore that because you're not going to spend a whole heap of time on land um but yeah eventually you realize that you're going to just be coming back to this one hub area for the uh, virtually the next 10 hours and in that in that first 10 hours you're going to see most of the defining skull and bones experience and that's going to be picking up one of effectively three kinds of missions you know whether they're main missions uh or side missions they're going to boil down to you're going to go to location X and attack some ships or attack a, a colony. And otherwise, you're just doing deliveries. Like, it's pretty much just those two. There are some treasure hunts thrown in, but they don't really require any skill. The game just kind of dumps you on a shore, says run around the shore until you find the glowing orange thing. Hooray. That... That's effectively the three kind of mission types you're going to be playing for the first 10 hours. And then after that, the next 10 hours is really you just investing in getting a bigger boat. You get a bigger boat, you put some good weapons on it, you hit level 20, uh, sorry, you hit hour 20 and you've hit the end game. That's that's effectively boiled down my experience. And it was positive for the most part uh, into if, if I was able to sort of recalibrate my brain for the experience because it wasn't an engaging experience. As you can imagine, when you're sailing out in the ocean, there is a lot of downtime and this game doesn't really do anything to account for that. There's just downtime. And so put a podcast on and you'll kind of get into that Euro truck simulator rhythm with it a little bit. And that, that was kind of fine. If you can, if you can desire that experience, if you're wanting something a little bit more of the Assassin's Creed flavor, where you maybe got a little bit of on the foot, like on foot combat, that's not going to happen. Uh, there's, actually combat in that first 10 hours is actually going to be extraordinarily slow and you're probably going to be looking forward or, or wanting that Assassin's Creed combat because your ships are going to start out really underwhelmingly. They're only going to have three weapons on them. Those weapons are going to take forever to reload and you're just going to be chipping away. You're not going to really feel like you've got that pirate experience. You really, this game treats piracy as a vocation and by God, it's going to make you work for it. So it's not about living out that power fantasy. It's about working towards the ideal of that power fantasy. And by the time you hit the end game, you kind of feel like you're only just getting started and the content is already kind of dried up. There's an end game here. It's kind of cool. 
It's going to involve effectively going back through the map that you've already spent out like 20 hours exploring and uh, taking dom like taking control over different colonies you've come across. All that really looks like is changing a color of the icon on your map and it allows you to do a couple of things to earn end game currency. And effectively, if you do this well enough, it'll cascade. You'll be banking up that in-game currency. Uh, but I don't really understand what end it's all for other than the hope of a bigger ship. There's not many ships in this game. Um, at 30 hours, I've only encountered eight different kinds of ship. I think there might be nine. Yeah. That sounds right. I think they've also said, though, that it's like, hey, fin but until the first season pass launches, there's only a limited number of ships. So it's just, this is what you get. Yeah. So if you think you're going to build building out a big dock, uh, you won't. Not really. And the ships don't really feel too different to one another in a big way. You've, you've mostly got three flavors of ship. You've got, and it's so weird. You've got the DPS ship, right? So the ship that's just going to do lots of damage really fast. You've got the tanky ship, which takes a lot of damage. And then you've got the support ship, which you fire cannons at your mates to heal them. It's it's a little bit bizarre. Yeah, healing cannons, of course. Yeah. yeah, and for a game that kind of doesn't expect you to lower your sense of disbelief because it doesn't really go into much odd territory. It plays it kind of safe. There's no real crazy pirate antics. Everything's kind of highbrow to a sense. Um, it kind of surprised me that there is some kind of weirdness with putting flamethrowers on your ship and healing other ships by shooting at them that doesn't get weirder. Uh, mm. this, this game kind of struck me as it could have had an opportunity to lead into some of the weirdness we've seen in pirate media over the past 10 years. It doesn't. Mm. It's kind of just a theme to sell a live service game. So that's where it kind of starts to come undone. And then beyond that, it's uh, the back half of my experience was incredibly buggy, disconnects, hard crashes, graphical artifacting, and uh, this thing is mostly menus as well. Like if you're not on your destination to drop something off or shoot a ship, you're in menus and menus and menus. And fundamentally, they still don't work. Uh, there's been a few patches here. Uh, they've got issues with response time. So you'll try and click on things and accidentally spend way too much money because it's not responding or it won't respond at all until you close out of the game and relaunch in. Or the, the buttons in the menus don't, like they're contradictory. So I've, I've had a conversation with James where I said one of the buttons that you use to track missions in your map is also the same button that's used to cancel missions from your map. So in trying to track missions, I've canceled them and lost all my progress, all the items attributed to them. Uh, this happens a lot in the game. If, if a notification pops up on your screen, you would expect to go to the menu associated with that notification. If you try and do that, it makes the notification go away. Uh, just it, just it, what we'll just discuss in a moment with James is when it boils down to it, uh, the actual experience of Skull and Bones is just bizarre. It's it's baffling mm. to me. I don't understand it from a design point of view. Just it, nothing kind of works the way you would think it does, but it's just kind of all bolted together and you just kind of make the most of the experience. And, you know, I, I did. It wasn't a terrible yeah. experience. It wasn't even a bad experience. It just wasn't great. How do you feel about it, James? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I've been nodding the whole time for a reason. <laughs> um, it's uh, I think you hit on a good point. Like Skull and Bones, there's uh, very little 
unity between any of its concepts. Uh, and I'm talking from aesthetics to, to systems to overall experience, right? Like I think, you know, you said before about how it does present itself quite straight faced and it's got a very realistic art style for the most part. And it's leaning into hyper-realism with this graphical fidelity, quadruple A mm. game, all that sort of bullshit that we've heard about. But then at the same time, uh, all the costumes look like they are from a costume store. Yeah, they're um, very clownish. Ghost ships. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're a giant sea monsters. Well, a giant sea monster. There'll be more coming in seasonal updates. Um, and so there's, there's a tonal disconnect from the jump. And then, yeah, I don't think any of the systems particularly feed into each other very well. I admire the concept of the end game. Like, you know, oh, absolutely. I was thinking about... Yeah, like when when I was thinking about my review, like there's that running joke about the Phantom Menace, right? Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about Star Wars for a sec. Um, of, you know, oh, how could this possibly be a kid's movie? It opens with discussions of trade routes, right? That is this game. Perfectly right? it is It is the pirate trade route simulator. Um, and that is cool in theory. In theory, I'm okay with it. The problem is that it always brings you back to that same ship mission structure, which is go and fetch something, fight something, or do both. Um, and it's not particularly interesting or fun after a certain amount of time. I think the ship combat here is fine. I, I think it works for about five hours. I, I think you, you could get like a nice little pocket there where you just, like Nathan said, you put on a podcast, you zone out a little bit, you finally find a rhythm with the game. I don't think it's interesting beyond that. And when the end game sort of, and even not even before the end game, a lot of those missions leading up to it as well, health bars just like quadruple. It's a lot of like bullet spongy kind of enemies. Uh, you got to run a lot of missions that just have you running around in like little circles of the ocean that you can't leave. Otherwise you fail the mission, which doesn't make any sense for a giant slow turning ship, right? Like you don't want to feel as if you could accidentally sort of go out of a zone. Which happens um, all the time. Yeah. All the time. All the time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That that stuff just doesn't... It just doesn't ever come together the way that it should. The, the through line of my review was like, it's a Disneyland attraction. Everything in this game feels artificial and constructed and ostensibly all live service games fall under this, right? But you've got to do a better job at hiding the artifice of, of what you've made. Um, and for me, Skull and Bones is just very, very, very brazen about the fact that it is not a lot. And what's there is fine. But it's not great or particularly interesting. And I don't know how anyone plays this for more than 20 hours. It, it certainly doesn't throw you any kind of hooks, any kind of glossy pop-ups, any kind of fanfare whatsoever to ask you to mm -hmm. play beyond the credits that don't roll. You know, the game just yeah. kind of, the story just kind of ends. You won't even see yeah. it coming. It just... Oh, you're a kingpin now. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. But, but on that point real quick, uh, mm. in my opinion, I thought... The writing was good, like it was fine. The issue is, is everything it talks about, you know, all the betrayals and decapitations, skullduggery, everything that's kind of wild and wacky and kind of cool about pirates, piracy, everything it talks about happens off screen. None, you don't see anything anyone talks about and to a bizarre point where in some missions you will be, you'll go and assass, you'll, you'll assassinate someone, so you'll blow up a ship and then to prove that you've assassinated them, you're going to take their head but the thing is is all this is happening off screen you never actually go onto a ship find a person take their head off it's just mm -hmm. the the objective tracker just updates and says you picked up a head now go drop it off like it's yeah it's almost comical sometimes so there is definitely there was mm. an effort made with the writing just unfortunately it's not in service to anything or at least there is there is no way for you to feel invested 
because you're always on the outside looking in and, and your character doesn't have a voice or anything. So it's even then it's still, it's just even more impersonal. It's, as I say, it's, exactly. it's very, very odd. It's, it's just a really mm. odd game. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it's bad at all. I've, I've talked about a lot of criticisms about it. I hope it gets the, the Ubisoft, you know, year two revival in a way. Mm. Like, like there's yeah. definitely a core there that kind of makes me wonder if it was kind of rushed out the door in the last year or so of production just because some things feel so hollow. It could do with a bit of mm. life and substance. I just, I, mm. yeah. I do want to quickly say, I, I had this in my review notes. It didn't make it into my actual review, but on the topic of like the, the writing and stuff, mm. being a voiceless protagonist, having everything sort of happen off screen, you, you're very disconnected from the entire experience. At one point about, 15 hours in my like the you have like a first mate who's this like woman that you meet at the beginning of the game um and Mm. while we're just in sailing in the middle of the ocean she's like you're earning my trust captain but there are still secrets i keep close to my heart and i was like we haven't spoken (laughs) like i know nothing about you it was just the strangest like gesture towards maybe like the bones of what this had been at one point i don't really know but Mm. it, it implies a lot and doesn't do very much um that and that runs right through the game yeah, I have a few questions just based on what we played, James, in in Singapore, mm. and, uh, and we spoke a lot about the writing, and we were like, "This is, you know, surprisingly uh, mature or adult, yes. you know, focused." Yeah. Um, does that sort of carry on through the? Yeah. Uh, no, okay. like I, I think it it talks about things without being about things. Yeah. Um, I think well it's the said. best way I could describe it. Like, and I said this in my review, like I, I think the reason preview skewed positive and the reason you and I came away from it kind of surprised at what we'd played is because in its first hours, you're like, there's a lot of potential here. It could go somewhere with a lot of this. And then you just quickly find out after about the five hour mark that it doesn't, it, it kind of plateaus at that point and, and stays at that level. And that includes things like the ideas and the writing that we were talking about when we saw it. Yeah. What about like the treasure sort of stuff where you can actually go on land, you can dock onto islands. Uh, yep. Okay. Um, Nathan, <laughs> do you have any points on this? Or I mean, I said it earlier. You what? You, so because every island, like when when you hit a new shore and you can disembark, every island is effectively laid out the same. And and quite often there's this game has such a distinct lack of art style. Most of the time, you won't even tell the difference between them, but they're effectively a circle. So what you'll do is you, you'll have a treasure map, right? And as soon as you land on the shore, the game will do a big pop-up across the top half of your screen, so you can't miss it saying, the treasure map is indicating, it is here. <laughs> so rather than look at any of the clues, what you do is you just do a quick lap of the island. It's just going to pop out this, this big orange glowy thing into the night sky. You cannot miss it. Walk over to it, dig it up, off you go. That's mm-hmm. it. You, you, you've yeah. got some coins, you've got a couple of cosmetic items, good for you, happy days. I also found that like sometimes, because the way the maps work, right, you get like a, a vague outline of the island with an X roughly where yeah. it's supposed to be. That I never really found that lined up very much. And then there's no. a smaller sketch next to it of like a, a landmark or something that's meant to indicate, hey, this is where it is. But because the game has gone for this kind of like you know, well, like high fidelity realism, it would be like, oh, look for this tiny like wooden cross. And I'd be like, where it's just a bunch of trees like it, it's so difficult to discern individual details from this art yep. direction of anything that wasn't the boat or the cosmetics okay uh so nathan how'd you hmm. what was your feelings on the um 
resources like like you know how you got to kind of pull up alongside them, do the little mini game. Okay, so I, I guess it just it just carries exactly on from what James said. So the first thing is, uh, tell me if I'm exaggerating here. Ninety percent of the time that you're trying to look for a resource, you won't actually be able to spot it with your eyes as you're looking out at the game. You're mm-hmm. going to have to keep panning your camera until a pop up on the screen says "Press triangle to harvest." You won't know. Mm-hmm. Like you just, yeah. I was playing it with a friend, and I said to him, "Okay, so this is what you need to look for." I'm currently, my, I'm looking elsewhere because we're playing on a 50 inch screen. Tell me if you see the shiny bit. The shiny bit might be a tree, <laughs> it might be a rock. Just tell me if you see the shiny. But the shiny is so. Like, mm. uh, it's hard to explain, yep. but it there's it, it doesn't stand out at all. It, this game desperately needs the yellow paint. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's so weird that we went through a whole week of discourse about this. And I want the yellow paint in this game. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know what go. I'm doing. Yeah. Um, one I, thing... We, I was just going to say, the one thing that I guess I haven't made clear is the combat does... Like James said, that there's a good five hours there. And I'd say during the journey to, to end game, yes, there is about cumulatively five hours at best of good adrenaline-fueled combat. When you hit the end game, this kind of picks up a little bit because the game suddenly has a reason to force players to do things together. Up until that point, no one will help you on anything. There, there's like live service stuff there. No one will interact. But as soon as you're in the end game, you'll have a lot of situations where you'll have fleets of like 15 ships and then you'll have four human players all in the same area all going at it and then the storm rolls over so there's really high waves and that's creating like a barrier of cover between folks that is awesome and it feels so natural and it handles so well um all credit to them it's it's quite intuitive it's the most intuitive part of the game in my opinion so that that is definitely like i had a lot of fun in those moments and there's definitely more of them at the 20 plus hour mark if Mm, you can endure that long I yeah, the like last the couple. I thought they were really yeah. good. That's the question I was going to ask: Is how do you find the weather in the, in the full part, game? Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. My yeah, favourites when it's stormy. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think that if Black Flag didn't exist, this would go down a lot easier. Um, but it isn't. It's missing a lot of the like that intuitiveness, right? So I think the the aiming is a really good example of this. Like Black Flag had those big arches that you would see whenever you aim, so you got an idea of where your fire was going to arch to, and they've replaced all of that with just simple reticles, and it, it just turns it very arcadey. There's no real kind of like sense of like bullet drop or, or whatever with these things. It's just you, you shoot things explode kind of thing. Hope for the best. Um, mm. And you know, obviously the a lot's been talked about about the whole you can't board ships right now when when you do that and i saw developers talking about Uh how for an online game it would be difficult to kind of balance player models on top of ships that are bombing up and down an online server i totally get it yep i i believe all of that i believe it would have been a nightmare to figure out but then sea of thieves is right there as well and so that becomes kind of like a it does feel like a regression on a 13 year old game um and that is bad like you don't you can't really talk around that and i think for everything skull and bones does relatively comfortably it will always exist in the shadow of black flag um and because like yeah. you know they took that this is how it was sold right like it was yeah. progenited by this incredible game that we all experienced a decade ago you know when we were in our 20s um well yeah. zach and i were um you know so it's <laughs> yeah I, I don't know it's yeah it's a bummer like i, I don't want to dislike it but i don't like it either yeah so i, I yeah. think we're, we're kind of on a on a pretty pretty even kill there and like 
Assassin's Creed Black Flag is like the pirate power fantasy right out of the bat. To get anywhere close to that in Sea of Thieves, you got to do the work, baby. And it's going to be 15 hours before you get to... Yeah, sorry, Skull and Bones. Yeah, it's going to be like 15 hours before I did that all week. (laughs) Yeah, me too. It's going to be about 15 hours in Skull and Bones before you get to like those early hours, like to to what it gives you in the early Mm -hmm. hours of Black Flag. So it's it's a very odd experience to compare. Mm. Sea Monster? Because I know that, James, you and I, we we tried to go and find it, but didn't... (laughs) I fought it. Yeah, I fought it this I, uh, morning. I fought it at around hour eight, right? Really? It wasn't the end game iteration of it, but it was just like a slightly smaller one with a different color on it. Oh. And I was like, why am I seeing the monster now? But then I, I saw the end game monster was the red version. I fought a green version. So I don't know if that's just like a... Because you get the little prompt all the time of like... Captain, we've heard of mysteries in the seas nearby. Um, and you can go over and experience like a ghost ship or a, a, a whatever. Um, so How I don't know if there are good. just level scaling versions of these things that you can access earlier on if you push out into deeper waters. But sure. I don't know. I'm going to just say the ghost ship was a lot of fun. Uh, I ended up having like three other humans come by at the same time. And we had a great time. That thing just drops like like virtually like smoke grenades and just disappears to another part of the... The sea, it's great. I had a fantastic time with that. No, I just wish this game had more of those ideas at play because they work. All right. So before we wrap it up, just quickly, what, in your opinion, what should this game have been? Like, are we talking another pirate third-person game with a bit of naval combat or can this kind of concept work as a full game? Like, because I know that you're, you're saying that there's a lot of things that you like, Nathan, but... Can that can that game can, sorry can those ideas sustain a, a full like live service title like is there enough there or what do you think? Well, if I go first, I I think James already said it. It's it's Sea of Thieves, Sea of Thieves. So that's already that's already proof of concept. So much of what Sea of Thieves already did like a decade ago, Skull and Bones can't push beyond a menu. You have to understand almost fifty percent of this game. All of its gameplay ideas is in menus, expecting you to use mm. your imagination. It would have been nice if some of those were just taken out of the menus. So it feels like there was great ideas for Skull and Bones, but in the last year or whatever's happened behind the scenes, rather than dump it, they've just taken it halfway, slapped a UI on it and said, look, we're just going to keep it behind a menu. I yeah. just wish so many of those ideas weren't just menus. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, if it's Disneyland, it's worth a day pass, but not a season pass. I guess okay. is how I landed on it. Like, there's not enough a, um, here for a little bit. Not um, a three park super pass up, up on the Gold Coast. I, I would not lightning pass whatever those things were called. This this game, no. I think you can get it on the the premium Ubisoft Plus subscription, like their their premium mm. tier. And I, I would give it a go if I was paying like 15 bucks a month or something like you, you definitely mm-hmm. have a time, you know, yes. mm. hop on that podcast. It's okay. I, th- yeah. I think it is worth mentioning that like uh, to, to some degree that this, all the future content is free for this. So, well, for the moment, you know, they've said that it's all going to be free. So yes. if you do, you know, invest in this game, you know, there, there is, they are guaranteeing content. For how long we will see, but you know, there 
it's all going to be included mm. in your first purchase. So it's not like a you got to drop a hundred bucks, then drop another fifty, sixty, whatever it may be for that, season passes. Yeah, that that definitely does make it go down a little better. Yep. All right. I mean, they're also charging a hundred dollars for it. Correct. Yeah. Let's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, and, and that's on JB Hi-Fi. Like JB Hi-Fi, oh. who try to push things oh. to seventy nine where they can. Like, this is not a cheap video game. I, um, and I, I think that was completely mistaken. I thought it was like one of the. I thought they were doing like Mirage, like eighty oh, seventy eight. No. Oh no, no, no. This is quadruple A now. So it's uh, one hundred and nine <laughs> on uh, whatever on EB Games. But like you know, so if you think about like if, if this game was seventy nine dollars as a, a standard price. New, you know, current gen game Ooh. and then a $20 battle pass but now they're like oh don't worry about paying for the battle pass it's included in the price of the game <laughs> like mm. yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know I don't buy the value proposition on this at all no uh, I thought it was like 79 uh, nope well you are wrong cool storms, also, can genuinely we just, cool storms how about the water though how's the water tech in the full full experience it's alright I, mean, I liked it more in Assassin's Creed because you would go into the water. Right? This is going to sound so dumb. You go into the water. It looks incredible under How's the surface. The, um... oh, what, oh, what was he going about? Sediment. How's the sediment? The sediment. Oh, look, in, in some parts it does look really nice. When the light hits it right and it's refracting and it all looks very pretty. But because you can't touch it, right? Like You can't be afraid of the ocean if you can't drown. You know what I mean? It, it, it just, it's a fundamental disconnect of immersion. The ocean has an invisible it, wall. If you try, like I tried this, if yeah. you try on the beach, you just yeah. flounder against the invisible yeah, exactly. wall. Just, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. I don't want right. to brag on it too nah. much. Nah. <laughs> All right. So James, you gave it a 6.5 over on Presta. Nathan, what are yeah. you, you're still finalizing your score, but you know, how are you feeling? right at this moment look i i in my heart i want it to land somewhere between a 5.5 and a 6 that's what we're going to be haggling over the next few days all right all right uh just very very quickly you mentioned this is quadruple a has has someone come out and said that this is a quadruple a game or something Have I missed uh something? it was i think it was eves himself i'm pretty sure oh, no. um it was an oh, ubisoft no. exec it was one of those big boys at, at uh old ubisoft but i think they were talking about more the, the amount of money that had gone into developing it had sure. meant it, it had emerged as like a, a quadruple experience, which is, you know, given the amount of money they would have spent on this thing. Yes. On their end, it absolutely is. <laughs> but you can't push that onto the consumer just because you mismanaged a game for a decade. Like, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. All right. Nice work. You can go read uh, James's review over on Presta and Nathan's review will be up either now or sometime in the coming days. We'll take a quick break and Ash has got some little words to say about our sponsors, Still Series. Are you looking to upgrade your content? Tired of being drowned out by the world around you? Then look no further than the Steel Series Alias Pro microphone and the free-to-use Sonar software suite. The Steel Series Alias Pro has been engineered to capture richer and deeper audio thanks to a cardioid capsule that's three times larger than most other mics on the market. And when used with Sonar's AI-enhanced noise cancellation, your voice will be clearer than ever. The Alias Pro utilizes an XLR connection with 48-volt phantom power to capture more and can facilitate a dual PC setup thanks to the included preamp DAC, allowing you to effortlessly solve audio routing and adjust levels on the fly. The controls even act as a stream mixer, so you can adjust volume or mute, and it has RGB lighting. Gaming just found its voice. Alias Pro, available now, has 
everything you need to make yourself be heard. All right, great stuff there, Ash, and thank you once again to Steel Series for shouting uh, shouting out for sponsoring the Well Played DLC podcast. Yo, future Zach here. We're just going to pause the show because Well Played's Mark and Jordan have actually recorded a little segment for Helldivers 2. They're going to talk about their experiences with the game just in a bit more detail than the shout-outs earlier in the show can convey. So take it away, Mark and Jordan. Uh, sorry to interrupt, guys, but uh, this just in. Uh, we're on the battlegrounds of Helldivers 2. Uh, Jordan, can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, it's loud and boisterous out here, but we just wanted to spend a little bit of time uh, outside of Killing Bugs uh, to tell you, I'm going to calm down now, about Helldivers 2, because uh, unlike everyone else, we can't be in the podcast booth uh, recording with everyone because... Uh, it's a bit messy out here. Uh, I don't know about you, Jordan, but uh, I am covered in bug guts and it's uh, not coming out. I, I'm covered in automaton nuts and bolts, personally. That's a bit of a turn on for some people. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, you, well, I mean, you never know. Anyway, so yes, uh, let's talk Helldivers 2 because I wanted to get on the, the show in some way or form and talk about this because as much as writing almost a 2,000 word review, which is now on the website, by the way... Um, I wanted to actually talk to you specifically, Jordan, because you've been playing the PC version, uh, whereas I've been on the PS5 version, just to get a, a, a different sort of point of view on, on how each experience has been. Um, I will lead off, though, just in case anyone isn't aware what Helldivers 2 is. Uh, this is the sequel to the original that came out about nine years ago on PS4. Uh, it's by Arrowhead Game Studios, uh, who I believe are out of Sweden. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, this is right. now, yeah, it sounds about right. Uh, so the original was a isometric twin stick shooter, uh, four player co-op. This is now a third person action adventure, four player co-op. Uh, and the difference, it feels like it's gone from like a 2d, uh, PSP esque sort of game to a full blown Hollywood epic. That's how it, it's gone from like indie studio to big studio now. Yeah, uh, it has absolutely. that, it has that vibe about it. Um, Long story short, you have your your four-player party. You jump down into a planet. You choose the planet you want to go to. Uh, you blow the crap out of bugs and or robots, uh, a.k.a. aliens and Terminator and Starship Troopers, combine it to one. Uh, and then you leave, and then you do it again. And you do it as often as you want, and you can change your difficulty level, difficulty level as often as you want. There's just so many different uh, options, but there's no real story is just drop in drop out and do what you like and it plays really well it, it and it's does. a lot of fun it's a lot of fun now you Jordan, you played on pc yeah uh, so i wanted to i wanted to ask you how was your experience in terms of because obviously well, we'll get to it in a minute that there's been a lot of bugs been a lot of server issues but what's your performance been like on there the performance has been mostly good i have heard mixed things um fortunately i'm on the higher end of pc builds so like I kind of have the, the, the brute force to push past it. Uh, yep. But like even smaller things, like I don't know how the the controller rebinds for the console version are, but like a really nice thing that the PC version does, at least to my knowledge, um, is when you rebind a key or a command in the game, you can choose what kind of input it is, whether it's like a, a double press, a quick tap, a hold, 
so like having that oh. functionality is really good because yeah. uh, I'll give you a good example. A friend of mine who came from the division and he's used to double tapping space to, to do like a dodge or like a roll. Yep. And so yep. what he did um, based on my recommendation was he set double tap space to be the dolphin dive. And he's like, it's it's little things like that that makes the, at least the PC version feel really good. There are a couple misses, you know, you can't set uh, an individual frame cap. Uh, there are reasons to do that out because not everyone wants to be chewing all the power from the computer at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. Uh, you also can't bring in the um, the HUD elements uh, when you're playing the game to fit uh, to be within a sixteen by nine ratio when you're playing on an ultra wide. So. If you're one of those people that's crazy and has like a 32 by 9 monitor, you're breaking your neck to look at your UI elements, uh, which can be a, be a bit frustrating. But for the most part, I haven't really had many issues. I do know that AMD cards specifically have had some issues with uh, the global illumination setting in the game. Uh, so if you have an AMD card, it's recommended you turn that off for now because it can cause crashes. Um, or just play in the dark. It's, you know, you don't have to have lights on. It's fine. <laughs> well, no, that's what the flashlight's for. Uh, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, to turn that setting off, uh, it won't make too much of a difference for the game, uh, but you'll find yourself crashing a lot less. The big thing, uh, really, and it's been experienced for both sides, is just the mm. connectivity issues. Yeah, that, that that's definitely been uh, one of the biggest problems i suppose but it's one of those things and i mentioned it in the review as well it's one of those things where it feels like for a long time we we, when you have all these online games obviously we just had suicide squad come out recently they had their own problems you know destiny 2 you and i have played a lot and we've had our our fair share of issues with that over the, the, the many years as well this is the first time in a long time where i've felt like i've i've loaded in and it's like server error and it's like yeah that's cool i don't mind waiting like there's no frustration there because when you do get in and you do start to experience the game, all of that potential anger or frustration over, you know, server issues and some of the other things they've had, like you, you've lost XP after a mission and stuff like that. It just kind of fades away. Yeah, and that, it, absolutely. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's that experience of, of when you do get in and, and, and it's just so much fun that doesn't really matter. No, absolutely. And I think part of it has to do as well with there's quite, if you look at the communication between Arrowhead Studios and the player base, there's quite like a an open dialogue between the two where they're explaining is. why there are issues, how they're going to rectify it. Um, but the, they are openly saying that you are still going to encounter these issues um, and they just can't fix them all immediately. They're, they're very uh, open and they, they are like upfront about their capabilities as a developer are in terms of um, you know bug fixing, pun not intended, because we're killing bugs, but <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. but also their their network engineering side, like it's it's a very difficult problem for them to fix, and they have such a great attitude about it, and it the because they have such an open dialogue, the community is quite uh, quite receptive to it. In in a similar way, it kind of reminds me of. Um, deep rock galactic where there's like oh, a good okay. relationship between the developer and the the community to the point where the community yep. is quite welcoming so like if you look at a lot of the the people that act- actively care about uh hell divers 2 despite it's uh you know it's issues that it's riddled with at the moment everyone's just you know yelling freedom liberty <laughs> or um, 
of managed democracy. And in the same vein, if you look at Deep Rock Galactic, all the are just rock and stone. And it's it's like there's actually quite a lot of similarities between those communities because they just they're latching onto such a wonderful game that they're willing to sit with the issues because they trust the developer to not only be honest but to get it done at a, at a pace that's not backbreaking for the studio, but it doesn't yep. put everyone off at the same time. It's such a luxury to have for a studio knowing that they, they've launched. And I'm, I'm going to say they, they probably did very much underestimate how many people are going to jump on. Oh, yeah. Um, and it just continually grows. You see the Steam charts every day. It seems to just grow higher and uh, higher. I think today it hit 457,000. Wow. They, they will easily hit 500. I wonder how high it might get. Maybe that's a, an article for another day to sort of explore yeah, that. It, it, that's because a, a very good article because their servers the pricing of a service must be very expensive anyway let's let, let's get back on point um because money is nothing we should be talking about in this day and age speaking of though microtransactions this is the they, other thing i want micro. to talk about with you they're micro they are in, they are so micro they are so micro you can barely see them um which is it's kind of surprising but at the same time it, it's it's one of those things that do we actually celebrate it because it's still microtransactions and we shouldn't be celebrating anything microtransaction but it's always nice to have a, a game where it's i think it's 69 dollars for for entry in general and uh, no matter how often you load into the game there's none of these splash screens telling you what the latest season is or the new skin or lady gaga showing up there's nothing in terms of even when you go into uh the content for the 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 microtransactions and so forth there's nothing necessarily to call out how expensive it is or how much you can get for free if you buy this pack you know things like that yeah it's it's another thing where it's like this is nice it's just nice to have a studio that kind of on one hand takes the piss out of it but also respects its audience absolutely and i think it's just it's a very honest live service game because we're used to games like destiny uh diablo with its what like 60 or 70 dollar pack that includes a mount and that's the only reason to get the pack or oh, whatever. The mount. Um, yep. <laughs> like it like you were just saying maybe we shouldn't celebrate micro like microtransactions at all uh, i disagree with that only because these games are expensive to run like it, it's understandable um and for, for a studio that's as small as Arrowhead, because I think they're like just under 100 people large, which, mm. you know, then it's not tiny, but compared to some of the giants that make live service games, it's pretty small. It is. Um, it is. And the fact that they feel confident enough and respect the players enough to just have, have not only uh, a pricing scheme that doesn't feel egregious, but uh, a content and design model that doesn't work off of FOMO. Because if you look at yep. even the premium war bond, you can look at it as a battle pass and that's basically what it is, yeah. but they don't expire. It, if it, I don't think there's a, a expiry on any of the stuff. And um, nah. and all like the vast majority of it, you can get just by playing the game. You don't even have to spend a single dime on, on getting anything else unless you want to complete it quicker, obviously. Uh, but if you just keep playing regularly every day, you would pretty much get as much as you need in terms of your medals and war bonds and so forth to unlock Ab it all. Absolutely. And and if you look at the, the design of the game's progression through the regular war bond, 
it's done very cleverly to the point where you need to go through that stuff to get your basic stuff set up. And yep. through doing that, you'll end up naturally accruing the super credits you need to buy the premium war bond. So what it effectively feels like almost is you can kind of look at it as like hitting a prestige in the game. It's like, you know, you've got the stuff that you need. Here's like the extra stuff you can do on top of it now because we've given you the tools and the resources to get this instead. Yep, yep. It just feels like a very clever package all around, like in terms of all of that stuff we've just talked about, the the, the actual combat itself feels very, very smooth. Uh, I should say performance on PS5, outside of your, your server problems and that, I haven't had any problems whatsoever. The frame rate holds up really well, visually looks fantastic. Uh, the DualSense controller also has a few lovely little things that they, they don't really mention in the game at all. No. For example, the, the map. So if you load up the, the little map is in the bottom right corner. If you use the touchpad of the PS5 DualSense, you can scroll. Yep. Uh, and I didn't know this because they never mentioned it. And I accidentally uh, moved my finger across at one point and the map moved and I went, hold on. And I had one of those sort of aha moments and it actually felt really good. Because <laughs> here's a, a studio that actually looks at the controller and goes, what can you actually do with this thing? And it makes sense to have it like an actual mouse pad. Um, it's, it's little things like that. It, it's the the way the combat plays out. It's a hell of a lot of fun, just dropping ordinances everywhere, dropping nukes and so forth. Half the time you're accidentally killing everyone in your party and it never Wait, necessarily feels frustrating. Okay, deliberately. But <laughs> it, it, it's just, it, there's so much fun to it. It, it. it plays really, really well. They are constantly tweaking it, obviously. Uh, I think the the only major gameplay area that I've I've had a bit of frustration in is the escort missions, and I know a lot of people are in agreement in that. Yeah. But even then, it just it just because it's so hectic, it's it's that sort of everything's exploding around you, everything's going on at the same time. The music ramps up as you're trying to escape, uh, even if you don't escape, and the the uh, the dropship eventually comes down and the timer goes to zero. It still feels like you've accomplished something because you've, you've actually gotten out alive and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great time. It's a great old time. I, I'm so happy for them for, in terms of the way this has come out. Absolutely. And I think what also needs to be highlighted is this is the studio's very first time at making a shooter, like a traditional shooter, um, both in terms of like they've, they've meshed third person and first person gameplay together. But my goodness, I did not expect some of the best shooting I've ever experienced in a shooter to come from these guys because this is their first attempt and the guns feel so good and the fact that the the game actually takes into account where the barrel of your gun is pointing not just where your reticle is is just yep. so mind-blowing when we have games that try to be realistic like battlefield or even call of duty even though it's a more arcadey kind of realism and they don't take those things into account while touting realism on their on their front and it's just i, I never would have expected such a thing i was expecting pretty arcadey shooting but I'm so glad that they took the time and the effort to make this shooting feel as weighty and responsive as it is, because it also allows each gun to feel unique, even if they're variants of a pre-existing yeah. gun. Yeah, and this is the thing, isn't it? They've been given the time on this. They've, they've been given... I mean, it's probably been in development for over maybe five, six years, I'm going to say, but it's been nine years since Helldivers 1 came out, give or take. That's a long time, but it shows. Like, the, yeah, the package is... is 
pretty much complete. Server issues are going to happen in these situations. They didn't have an open beta or closed beta, so I understand that. But everything else just feels so on point. Um, it, it's just, it, I can't really fault it for, for anything else. It, it's just that good. And it's one of those games where you really do need to play it. Every time someone comes into work now, I'm like, hey, have you seen Helldivers 2? And they're like, oh, what's this? I've sold so many copies on that. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. Is there anything else you wanted to point out, Jordan? Uh, I guess the only one negative for me on PC is uh, they included uh, a kernel-level anti-cheat, which for those people that don't know, there are multiple levels of anti-cheat. Kernel is like existing below the level of your uh of your operating system so it's more interacting with your hardware itself or just like the more like the bios but um it's very very invasive and i don't think it's really needed like yeah cheating is always going to happen um but when it's an entirely pve focused game and a cooperative yeah. focused game at that like it's not really needed to have anything like that all it does is it's potentially performance inhibiting for some people um, because these these anti-cheat and DRM uh, uh, measures, you know, have varying degrees of um, of intrusiveness and invasiveness depending on the person's uh, build or PC or whatever device they're using. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I've had cases where, in order for me to actually connect to the game, I've had to uninstall the anti-cheat and then force Steam to reinstall it because something about it has just gone wrong. Um, and it's just it's it's a bit of a blemish on an otherwise phenomenal game on PC at least because like it's it's just it's not needed. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was some decision from Sony down the line to ask them to do that because at the end of the day it is a Sony published title despite the fact that Sony didn't really give it the attention it deserved. Yeah, I I think I think everybody underestimated this one in a big I, way, and uh, I think the I hope only they learned people. From that that didn't underestimate it were the fans of the original. That's like, me. <laughs> you know, like you could probably, yeah, you'd probably have known like in the Slack chat, like I kept saying that, you know, this game is going to pop off. It's going to be so yep. good. Um, yep. It's because, you know, I was a big fan of the original. Uh, I feel like re-downloading the original as well now, actually. Like revisiting yeah, well, that's, that's the beauty of the way they've designed it. So like, you can't really say that one, one game is better than the other. Because mm. they're different takes on the same formula. There's two different experiences, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just it's it's so well done. Um, and there are things that are missing from the first game into like um, you know, you don't have the vehicles. Some of the stratagems yep. aren't in the game. The mechs. Yeah. But but they've already stated that they want to add them into the game. Uh, and but prior to release, Arrowhead also stated that all content updates will be free. So. What this shows is just, you know, they want to get uh, almost feature parity between the between the games, uh, as well as they're wanting to add the additional races that they had in the, like, the latest stages of Helldivers 1. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's such a brilliant way, because I love when developers can almost reimagine an idea, but do it in a way that doesn't invalidate the original uh, material existing or the you know people going back to it it's something that uh in, it's a weird comparison but it's something that i love about the resident evil remakes it's because yeah. there's such a, a fundamental redesign of the original game you don't feel like you're missing out uh you, you don't feel like you're only getting um the core experience through the remakes because if you play the originals they're still a, a hugely different experience 
And it, yeah. it's like that with this because you have the same core principles for Helldivers 1 and 2 um, that translate so well to one another. You can go back to the first and understand everything, but it still feel completely different. And in yep. no way is like one game better than the other. Yep. It's two experiences I think that everyone should try. Um, let's wrap it up quickly. So yeah. I, I've uploaded the review by now. So by all means, go and read that at uh, well-played.com.au. Uh, I've scored it a 9 out of 10. Ooh, tasty. Uh, I would have given it higher if it wasn't for some of the, the tech issues, but I didn't want to give it any lower because I feel like it is a game that just hits the nail on the head on in every regard in terms of what it is uh the, the combat the, the the just general world building even though there isn't necessarily a narrative you can you just feels good and yeah, i think and that's that's something that's probably the biggest part of it the big, biggest reason why i've given it a nine it just feels right absolutely and even the smaller things like the the character barks where they're just like screaming for liberty or they're just like yelling freedom while they're just hosing down enemies with a machine gun like everything about it just feels so genuine it does it does jordan we should probably let the other guys get on with the podcast so uh i guess we should yeah yeah i mean we could we could talk here all day but then they'd never stop us um let's go and get some liberty and uh cast it back to the guys uh, at their normal desk. Oh wait, there's a bug! Get out of the way! Alrighty, thanks for that. Once again, you can check out Mark's Helldivers 2 review on the website. Let's get back to the show. Alright, we got... Well, that's pretty much it. Let's go into... Uh, we've, we've done all the big topics this week. There's not much else to kind of talk about. So we'll go into the news and maybe we can see if there's anything else to chinwag about. Uh, I'm sure we can find some stuff. Isn't that right, James? Sure we can. We always manage to. Hit us. What do you got on the news? news Dice chain Awards. This, this week? The, uh, Dice Awards. The, the good guy versions of the Game Awards, apparently, uh, were on last Friday. Yes, last Friday. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was it was good. It was a... It was the show that a lot of people say that they want from this, right? Like us included, where like game developers were given a good amount of time to talk about their sort of achievements when they won the awards. There was a extended sort of like bit about uh, one of the Nintendo composers. Like it's, it does genuinely care about the awards that it gives out. It's also hosted by Greg Miller, who I think dropped about two cum jokes in the first 10 minutes. Uh, one of them right after talking about the industry layoffs. What a fun, fun thing um uh, Baldur's Gate 3 won game of the year uh there's a bunch of other winners I just specifically want to shout out Alan Wake 2 went home for best art direction which is a fun one uh Marvel Spider-Man 2 Miles Morales for outstanding achievement in character uh, original music composition also to Marvel Spider-Man 2 uh audio design Marvel Spider-Man 2 this was kind of the thing of the night like there was a lot of awards for Marvel Spider-Man 2 and having this be something that's voted upon in purely by sort of internal developers and whatnot. I find that really interesting because I don't think any of us would particularly peg Spider-Man 2 as like the most interesting game from last year. Uh, yeah, so that's my it. question. Is this actually, yeah. this is voted for by developers, right? These are the developers. Yeah, it's like an internal industry thing. Because I yeah. always considered the DICE Awards that something's run by the dudes who make Battlefield for some reason. I also had that association in my head. It's not true, but I did. Well, I, I think well. I think I've come to that realization. But like initially, I've always yes. liked the you know carry on. Sorry. 
No, yeah, I mean, like, it's yeah, like, it's it's another award ceremony. It is a really nice alternative to the Game of the Year, the Game of the Year awards. Um, Cocoon nabbed outstanding achievement for independent game, which was really nice to see. Um, yeah, you know, cool, good, good stuff. Uh, it was a really nice show, very much worth watching for the developers. I, I really did enjoy seeing them have some time to just talk and wax poetic like we had um sam blake when when they won for art direction he got up there and he talked about how some of the effects that were in that game were actually practical effects and they just put a bunch of colored dye into like a water bucket and like shook it up to make one of the filter effects in alan wake 2 and it's just little shit like that that i'm glad that we had a space for these people to talk about so um yeah that was cool uh, just on that yeah. sam Lake, um love that do i say, yeah. say sam Lake? Anyway, anyway. uh that's something where like a um Glasses thing. What's the like the commentary thing? Like uh, grounded. Be, yeah. Well, that's where like stuff like that. Yes. Uh, sure. Sorry. Sure. That's like where stuff like that. <laughs> no, no, pressed up video really cool. automatically. It was quite loud. Oh, but that, yeah. yeah. But that's where like Shout those out. little features would, would be really like good to have. Like if you could. Yeah. You know they they just start diving into oh, you know this was made with blah blah blah. Uh, mm-hmm. On the dice awards though, like I did like how. I've only caught snippets and tweets and whatnot, but um, I don't even know his name, but the CEO of Larian just taking yeah. a big dump on uh, shareholders, basically. Well, yeah, sort of. when they won Game of the Year, they they I think there was a few of them up there and they gave a pretty rousing speech about, fuck the state of the industry, you know, we deserve better than what we've been given. And, you know, like, yeah, true. Yeah. It's good to see. It was. Yeah. yeah. Shout outs. What's not good to see is uh, my prediction for this year is falling apart in front of me. Apparently, the Switch 2 has been pushed to 2025, according to a few developers who said internally they got uh, sort of communications from Nintendo to indicate that it had been moved into Q1 of 2025 instead of Q4 for 2024. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Do you think we can survive another year without another Switch? They are milking that thing. That thing, have you ever seen... God, I think it's either like a Family Guy or a Simpsons or a, well, one of those like jokes where there's like something's just been milked to the absolute. It's so dry. Oh yeah, like Peter when he falls over and he hurts his knee, kind of thing. Just kind of sitting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Mine still gets a lot of use. Like it, it's my little, it's my yeah. um, visual novel machine. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, if I'm not going to bed reading a book and going to bed reading my Switch. Mm. Um. What I will say, just quick, sorry, before, no, let's finish the, the Switch talk and then we'll go to something else. Just that's <laughs> kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. No, I mean, I was just going to say, like, it's weird that we talked about when I reviewed um, uh, another co lost memory. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. And we kind of talked about, yeah, this feels like the kind of thing that comes out towards the end of a, a console life cycle. Yeah. And now there's another 12 months uh, to, <laughs> to go on this. It's, I just don't I know wonder, what they're, they're planning to put out, you know? Well, I wonder if it's because maybe like the Zelda developers are like, we need another 12 months to get this game. I mean, mm. that game already runs pretty well on Switch though. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was struggling, okay, but yes, okay. it, it, it ran. Yeah. So maybe um, they need... Yeah, I wonder if it's yeah. like a 3D Mario situation. Um, yeah, or maybe it's something like that. Um, but just to tie into that, there's been some news about mm. the Sony stuff on the, on that Sony side of things, right? And um, oh, yeah. I'm just looking at uh, game developer here because you're talking about your predictions uh, going down the hill. Mine was like looking, I was like, here comes the golden ticket, baby. Uh, but this is from game developer. And it says, Sony revealed players shouldn't expect new installments for uh, any, I think it's meant to be any, any of its first party franchises this fiscal year. 
uh, in the in its latest fiscal report, Sony President Hiroki Totoki uh, said it wouldn't release any new major release, uh, any new major existing franchise titles like Marvel Spider-Man 2 or God of War before April 2025. So I was like, this year we won't get a big PlayStation first-party game. Um, mm. you know, maybe that that's saying established. I think um, this is yeah. yeah. So there's still a chance like Wolverine maybe could. Come, but I also did latch on with a. Uh, I did bolt on that the PS5 Pro would not be announced this year, which there's been a lot of murmurs about that as well. Yeah. So I think that I think that might be. Um, mm. We'll see. We'll I'm see. Wondering I, still don't... Twins, mate. I was just going to say Twisted Metal. Like, uh, does that mm. strictly fit into the semantics of what they're talking about here? Because I was fully expecting a Twisted Metal before the mm. end of the year. It just kind of felt like the time was right. Wait. Yeah, but I, I guess it's it? not like a. Like a tentpole, you know, uh, or whatever they're trying to talk about. It's definitely not one of their major franchises. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what was, I think like my wording was big first party game, like Mm. major holiday first party. So you could still have a first party game, but it's not like, yeah, I'm talking like a big blockbuster holiday Mm -hmm. uh, system seller thing. But I mean, like, have we spoken about the PS5 Pro? I think we have, haven't we, right? I think we've touched on it before there was obviously that so the kind of mistranslation misquote of you know the mm. ps5 is entering the latter stage of its life cycle which was later confirmed to be like yeah kind of back half maybe is what they were gesturing towards so ostensibly yeah. we have another three four years with this thing which does feel short because time feels impossible since 2020 like i think covid kind of yeah. ruined a lot of perception around how long we've had these systems for because i certainly yeah. didn't feel like it had been three years with a ps5 mm. um and so yeah, like that that was an odd one. I think a, a pro is a bad idea because I, I don't just, feel like performance and fidelity is what's holding back games at the moment. Um, no. I think it's more of a idea crunch problem than raw capability. Um, I also don't think we've really got bang for buck from the PS5 yet. Like we've had no, <clears throat> we've had no Naughty Dog games thus far. We've had no, in, uh, not Insomniac, who did Sucker Punch. Mm. We've had... Housemark and Insomniac. I think they're the, the major two. Mm. Oh, we had a. Oh, sorry, and yeah, yeah so but that was both con- that was both consoles. Oh, right? yeah, they did straddle the line, didn't mm. they? Yeah. So did mm. Ragnarok. Mm. I'm mm. talking about developers that are clearly gone yeah, out and harnessed the power of. Kind of yeah, yeah. Weirdly um, enough, I think like third party are doing it much better than the in-house boys at the moment on, on both sides yeah. of the fence. This isn't just a PlayStation or Xbox problem. Yeah. I think it's both of them. Um, but like Alan Wake two is the first time where I was like, Oh, I'm playing a, a next gen game, yeah. you know? Um, and that took several years and didn't come internally. So, yeah. And, and just to think that, that they're gonna already replace the mm. PS5. It makes me think like, are they that short for cash? Like, do they need to sell another, yeah. It's very um, old school Sony hubris. Um, I I just ugh, yeah I I'm not, but the the last one kind of made a bit of sense. Like the PS5 was starting, uh, the PS4 sorry, was was starting to age, and it made sense. I guess made sense to give it a little bit more beef. How many years into the life cycle was wasn't that? it? Wasn't it four or five? It was a while. Well, I feel like it was definitely in the back half, event. but I mean, I'm sure yeah. we'd expect that. Because the PS4 Pro was probably what only that only had a what three year life maybe. Yeah, something like that. Um, and that what that console out. had what like eight years. Yeah, I think yeah, so. it was a really long generation. Um, 
let's see, there was three years between the PS4 and the PS4 Pro. That is actually okay. a lot shorter than I thought it was. Oh, yeah, same. Okay. Yeah. But I feel like I feel like there was a there was a good leap, maybe. I don't really remember actually now, but I think it was the, the 4K thing, right? Like it was yeah. about getting that up and running. Because um, I played, I mean, this isn't like, but, uh, we, we talk we talk about Cyberpunk. I played that on day one on PS4 Pro and that ran, well, did I? Was it PS5? It was PS5, I think. Sorry. Mm. Never mind. Don't worry about what I was going to say. But anyway, but on the PS4, it's virtually like unplayable. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, but just, to, um, but again, just just to tie into the PlayStation thing, I I read that Marvel Spider Man costs three hundred million to make, mm. so that's like I think another challenge with, yeah, the whole industry Absolutely. really is just, and that's what I'm saying, right? It's it's not how they look. It, it's it's not like a. I don't think any of us here really need eight K games at the moment, right? Like it, it's just it would be good if they were more sustainable to make, and you don't get that by saying, okay, well now we have to do another leap in fidelity for a PS4 Pro. Like yeah. if anything, you should be kind of just. Hell Dives is a great example, right? Of, of a game that kind of came out of nowhere, proved that success is not necessarily tied to the best looking thing in the room. Um, I don't know. It just feels like they're learning all the wrong lessons at the moment. Uh, that's why I also really quite like Banishers because I think I read in my review it's for, it just it's like an older style game like they don't you know there's companies mm. aren't really going out and making these types of games as much anymore. It's all about trying mm. to find as much ongoing cash as you can to whatever however you manage to to do that loot boxes season passes blah blah blah. Um, mm. But yeah, three hundred million that that sh- that shit is not sustainable, and that's what makes me think like. If Xbox is spending this that much money on all their, you know, they've got what? How many fucking studios now? If, if all their big dogs yeah. are spending, probably not three hundred million, but you know, in that realm, that's mm. a lot of cash. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, anyway. Yeah. That's a mess. Actually, speaking of messes and uh, don't nod. Um, did you hear about the union report that came out about their workplace? I did. That was right before we started playing, or. While we were playing, I can't remember. I think so. Yeah, mm. February fifteenth is when I found a, a news article about it. But I think the they idea also, being that, yeah, um, yeah well, there's been a lot it, but... of over reliance on contractors uh, for a lot of extra work at the moment. Uh, terms like uh, frequently changing deadlines, contradictory directions, and no long term vision for staff welfare. Um, yeah, bummer. That, that that's a shame. Uh, it does. I, I think it was the remap guys. They said it does kind of make sense though. When you look at Don't Nod's output for the past couple of years, and you're like, "What is this studio exactly?" Given how all over the place it is, this kind of tracks, right? Yeah, well, it's yeah. a turnover. Yeah, yeah. Jusant banishes Life is Strange. Uh, the remakes I might buy them. Is it? No, I don't. No. So, um, yeah. but they've got Harmony, The Fall of Reverie, which apparently happened as well. Um. Is, are they in Life is Strange Street? Or did I make that up? Might have made that up. But they're, but they're also doing the records one, the Lost Records, Bloom the Lost Records, yeah. or whatever it's called. That's a for a, that's a lot. a lot of that is a lot. It's um, like Dick. Yeah, mm. but I also wouldn't be surprised if this is a lot of of studios, right, that are, that operate this yeah. kind of way. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah. Anyway, news, go. eh? News. There was was one more quick thing. Uh, just just gonna read a headline for you. But the Forever Skies, 
the survival game, which mm. I think is in early access at the moment, that is actually coming to PS5 as an exclusive in 2024. Sorry. So that will launch when it does enter 1.0 or the full the cool. full release. It's coming like to PlayStation. Like Subnautica in the exclusive. Sky kind of thing. Yeah, Brilliant so concept. we've got a preview up on, yeah. up, up on the site. That's by uh, Far From Home. It's like the Polish. I think they're fully Polish, yeah. Polish hmm. dev, dev team there. Fully Polish. So that's, uh, that's it. So that's, uh, yeah, and Ash has also got a little uh, uh, tips guide thingy for Ultros if you are getting stuck into Ultros after he got around it last week. And that's the news. There you go. Good job. All right, let's go to the off topics and then we will uh, wrap her up. Nathan, you've got the, the task of 2000's film of the week. All right, so I better make sure that you guys are on the same kind of level playing field as me here because I'm not trying to make this one hard, but I also don't kind of know what your cinema literacy is, so bear with me. I'll be kind. What kind of regions of foreign film are we most acquainted with? Mm. Let's talk Asia. Nah. Nah? Uh, no. Nah. How about you just, just try the synopsis, see how we yeah. go. Okay. All right. I'll 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 give it to you, raw dog. I'm not, not going to censor any oh. of this. Okay. Uh, after being kidnapped and imprisoned for 15 years, oh Odys- boy. I'm, what is it? Family feud, baby. Hit that buzzer. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll go through it and, and James will just sit there smiling to himself. Sorry. <laughs> After being kidnapped and imprisoned for 15 years, Odysseu is released to find that he must find his captors within five days. Now, this no. is probably one of, I would say, uncontested top three pieces of South Korean cinema of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. But I've just I learned... Zach, you'd really like it. I, yeah, no, I, I, I think Zach sorry? would like it. It's got big John Wick vibes. It is Old Boy from 2003. Old Boy. Yeah, right. Never heard of it. So look. James David, a gig. I'm not sure. Don't mate. look it up. Do not look it up. Just You just got to go in raw and have it happen. I'll definitely okay. don't ever watch a trailer or anything for it. It's well, uh, no, very significant. See, like, where, like, where to watch it and shit. Where do we watch it? If uh, where do we watch out? it? Well, apparently, if you're in Australia, you suck. You can only rent it on Amazon Prime. Uh, I think I've seen it previous. I think the last time I watched it might have been on the SBS On Demand, but that even that library rotates out pretty frequently, so it's not on there at the moment. Uh, it is an action uh, thriller. Amazon Prime Video, if that helps. Yeah. Well, it's telling me it's a rent or buy option. Can you just... Oh, I see. Yeah, on, on mm. Prime Video, yeah. How uh, how rotten are we? What's the, uh, what's the RT score? Oh, what is the RT score? I was just on IMDb, which was an 8.3 out you of the critics don't lie. 10. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomato, 83%, 160 votes. That's pretty good. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's it a cl- classic action thriller. But uh, if, if you'd only just heard about this on the podcast, yeah, probably don't watch the trailer. Just watch it by yourself. But it is quite alarming in its, its themes, probably not for the faint of heart. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Good stuff. Nice one. Oh, uh, Nathan. <laughs> what a suggestion. Ex- oh, mate. It's, it's one of those formative films for me. It's just kind of like shifted how I look at cinema after I watched it. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I finished the season, uh, second season of Kin. I uh, actually hmm. quite liked it in the end. 
I thought it started a bit slow, but the char there's characters in that show that I think are very well acted, very well written, written um, and and like performed. Uh, they several people shit me up the fucking wall, but in like a way that I know that that's their job, like that's their their role is to be that character. And Game of Thrones, Joffrey, like exceptional, right? Um. Yeah, and it was just it was just yeah, it was ended up being a, a very good season. So that's on SBS demand. It's Irish. Irish has got um I can't remember the guy's name, but it's the Daredevil, the new Charlie new Daredevil. Cox. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah, not it. seen this. Uh, it's flown under my radar. It looks cool. Yeah, definitely I think I think you would like it because you you and I kind of have a similar similar taste in terms of that. Uh, slow burn euro thrillers yeah i was talking more more like british but irish is not really british so i can't think of the <laughs> uk i guess uk uh james might get around it he do you what do you what do you think of an irish accent james love it love it love you're it, in love it. you're in yep um i watched two movies uh starship troopers which was phenomenal <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's it's in the air at the moment. Um, it was the first time I'd seen it though, so I had uh, a really, really great time. Really, like I, that it functions as like a fun action romp and like a abiding criticism on the things that it's about. Fantastic, like just ticks all the boxes. Love of a Hoven, love a young Denise Richards. She was stunning in that movie. Um, I I was that is a beautiful woman. That is <laughs> incredible. Um, and on the flip side of that, I watched Joker. Uh, uh, for the first time. Oh, okay. first time. Bad. <laughs> okay. I always oh, find yeah, the, I, the discourse so polarizing around this. It's yeah, interesting. It, I, I mean, really look, like I would it. Say, yeah, right. I'm surprised it garnered such a reaction as it did because I don't think there's much to it. Like, it's a pretty straightforward, you know, character study, depression era of a city kind of romp. Like, there's mm. not, not a huge amount there. Mm. I did love yep. there was a stretch at the end where he fully goes Joker mode and <laughs> has that he has his two mates over in the apartment and then goes to the talk show and does what he does at the talk show. And that whole stretch, I was having a great time. That's I your favorite dream. The performance. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was just a really good moment for the Joker. And then everything either side of that, I was like, okay. All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, not 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 for me. Um, but Still, I'm glad I, I watched it. I like not you know getting things off the list. So, I really thought you were going to say uh, Starship Troopers two there for a moment. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, on the other no. side of the I coins. Might. <laughs> I, yeah. I might. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Don't. Oh no, don't. Well, I saw a Twitter okay. thread saying that there is an anime adaptation that just follows on from the first Starship Troopers film. I had heard this as well. Yeah. <laughs> The others, yeah, don't, yeah, it's just direct to video mm. schlock. Mm. Ah, got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Oh, there so. you go. There you go, eh? Hmm. Yeah. Anything else we got to chat about? I'm excited for Nathan, did you uh, watch anything or? Uh, quick, very, very quick. It's more anime. It's it's a Netflix series. So it's probably, it has probably crossed your screen. It's called Monster. Okay. It's a psychological thriller. It came out in the early 2000s. It's an absolute classic. I was blown away. 74 episodes very quickly. It's about a... a uh, it's set in Germany uh, during and after the fall of the Berlin Wall. And there's a neurosurgeon who 
has a child, some twins come into the hospital and one of these children has been shot in the head and adopted parents have been murdered. The neurosurgeon performs a correct extraction, brings his child back to life. This child is the monster. He's basically brought the devil back to life. The child is effectively Adolf Hitler in waiting. There's an enormous conspiracy that goes right deep into the heart of um, like communist Czechoslovakia and Germany. Uh, it's extremely political. It's extremely psychological. It's very dense, uh, very atmospheric, and it completely avoids all the tropes you associate with anime weeb shit. Like, there's none of that here. This is you are speaking my language. Yeah, th- <laughs> this, this is this is straight face, like make your blood run cold kind of shit. It's wonderful. Perfect arc, right from episode one through to 74. Loved it. Classic. 74? How long have you been? Well, remember, these are 20-minute episodes, so you're chowing through them pretty quick. And there's no filler in there. Yeah, real tasty, real tasty course. Excellent. Uh, I'm putting it on the list. I'm excited. Monster. Let's get around. Netflix, yep. VHS cast, you know. What's with everything (laughs) being called Monster. Yeah, that is a thing. Because I I told you about a Japanese film um, when I came back from the Philippines I watched called Monster from the current awards season that was Mm. probably one of my favourite films of last year. One of my favourite films is called Monster. It's um, Charlie's Theron. No. Oh, Gareth Evans or whatever his name is. The Gangs of London dude. Gareth Edwards, yeah. The Edwards, that's the one. Star Wars. Rogue yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Is that the okay. same guy or am I right. getting him confused? Yeah, it's him. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Huh. Uh, he, yeah, okay. he did this, this little movie that... Yeah, I'm getting um, confused. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Basically is two people. And if you if you read into the actual... Uh, not development. Is that creation? Production? Sorry. Uh, of mm. this film. It's very, very interesting. Like they would go to these locations. They would ask basically... They'd film... Film first, ask for permission later, mm-hmm. um, kind of stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, very, 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 very yeah. cool. Very cool little film. Very cool soundtrack as well. It's nice. by uh, John Hopkins, if you know that name. It's vaguely like District Nine, isn't it? I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Yes, yes. It's like a I did not rate District Nine. Yeah, but it's not like District Nine. It is like District Nine, but not like District Nine. If that makes sense. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, cool. No. Uh, Check it out, James. That's your homework for this for this week is to watch Monster. No, I'm, I'll be too busy watching other Monster. Sorry. <laughs> I wonder where it's actually, if you can watch Monster. I think it was on Monster. Stan because I did watch it. Bloody Stan. Sorry, mine's called Monsters. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, apo- I apologize. Uh, you can watch it on, well, nothing. I don't think. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't appear to be on anything. Yar-har Australians. Where to watch? Let's see what comes up. Pirates. Bringing it back full circle. <laughs> Maybe on Prime if you're lucky. Anyway, uh, or just <laughs> give me a shout-out and I'll send you my Blu-ray. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I'll have a movie night. Sack Quite cool. It, uh, I don't know if that would be a very good lineup. You'd have like The Phantom, a bit of Deep <laughs> Rising... Um, mm, it's just got monsters. the same three films on rotation. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'd 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 have Donnie Darko and I and I'd and I'd have Pan's Labyrinth. There's a couple of good ones in there. Okay. And and Treasure Planet to, for the kids. Yeah, okay. for, we're for warm the enough. kids. 
All right. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Well Played DLC podcast. If you want to check out the content, you can go to www.well-played.com.au to check it all out. The Skull and Bones review uh, from Nathan there and a bunch of other reviews we gave a shout out to. Don't forget to check out the YouTube talk through, subscribe, get around it, ding the bell, whatever you got to do on that. Comment for the algorithm. We love you. And you too. I will see you next week and have a great weekend. Cheerio. You too. Yeah. Hi-ho. See you.